Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be talking about yet another instance of how woke university students are just the most insufferable people on the planet. So recently a story came to my attention where a bunch of students are actually trying to get a professor fired for essentially espousing conservative viewpoints. And this is really disappointing, but I think it's important to talk about and hopefully give this base professor some support. So this story comes to us from McGill University, which if you're not familiar with, is one of the one of the more prominent and more well-respected universities in Canada. It's actually where my parents met each other. And even though I didn't go there, I, I did all of my studies in the States. But I have a lot of friends who attended McGill University and I live fairly close to it. So it's a university that I'm very familiar with. And trust me when I say it, it is one of those campuses where social justice reigns supreme. I mean, I feel like increasingly pretty much all colleges and universities are like that nowadays. But especially McGill. So we have this open letter from the Student Society at McGill, which is basically calling for an end, an end to academic freedom and for this professor to have his associations with McGill severed. Shocking stuff, but it reads, to the McGill community. And by the way, uh, for a open letter that's penned by university students, this letter is very long-winded and repetitive and just not well written. So I'm surprised that there wasn't more editing involved in this. But anyway, it says that it is no secret that, like many other academic institutions, McGill University was built on a history of oppression, its existence made possible by profiting off of the labor of enslaved and marginalized peoples. The regrettable history not only tarnishes the university's past, but also continues to influence how the university operates today. So if, if I'm someone who's just trying to vet whether or not to take these people seriously already based off like the two first sentences i know the answer is no their opinions can pretty safely be ignored. The letter continues, though, scholars have abused their right of free speech and academic freedom to defend acts of rhetorical violence against marginalized communities on campus, shielding racist, sexist, and transphobic speech behind the term controversy. It really is very telling how in the 60s, university students and campuses in general stood for free speech, and that is what they were protesting for, the ability to say whatever you want and to share your opinions freely. Nowadays, you fast forward kind of, what, 60 years and things have actually reversed completely. Now we have universities being at the forefront of censoring people's opinions. And now we even have students themselves saying, uh-uh, free speech, this academic freedom, it is dangerous. People are being offended here. How can we still defend someone's fundamental right to have free opinions when, you know, there are people that are being hurt by, by terms and words. It's really, really not acceptable, these students are saying. So they write, freedom of expression is traditionally considered central to permitting the free exchange of ideas and debate and fostering the university environment. Absolutely. I mean, university is supposed to be a place where your views are challenged. And I think part of a professor's job, ideally, should be presenting viewpoints that maybe they themselves don't even agree with just to foster that environment of debate. And I feel like, you know, the reason why so many people get offended so easily is because they're not often enough exposed to differing viewpoints. And, you know, you, you kind of have to get desensitized to that, in my opinion, to get used to the idea that you're your views will be challenged and aren't shared by everybody. And I think, you know, all of the, the snowflakes we have nowadays, even though I know that's a very 2016 term, but 
they exist because we've cultivated echo chambers. The only way to break echo chambers and hopefully get people to be, uh, you know, a little bit less thin-skinned is by free speech. But, oh goodness, this is where the letter gets really bad. It says, free speech, however, does not exist outside of its social context. David, uh... Gilborn Gilborn, a critical race theorist at the University of Birmingham, suggests that the terms of what is considered legitimate speech are dictated by whiteness, since whiteness operates to invest speech with different degrees of legitimacy, such that already debunked racist beliefs can enjoy repeated public airings where they are lauded as scientific and rational by many white listeners who simultaneously define as irrational, emotional, or exaggerated the opposing views of people of color. This is classic projection. If you ask me, like the only people that are actually trying to assign points of view validity uh, are, are the people who are trying to push out viewpoints they don't like from the realm of acceptable speech, namely these students. I mean, that, that's literally what they're doing by saying that academic freedom goes too far and this professor's views shouldn't be included in it. Oh, goodness. So uh, there's obviously more to this letter. Before we go on, though, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsor, ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes your activity harder to trace and sell to advertisers. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and eavesdroppers on your network. ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection, which is really important if you're streaming. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. What I like most about ExpressVPN is how easy it is to use. You download the app on your phone or computer, tap one button, and you're protected. It is so easy to, easy to use that even my parents are using it. So stop handing over your personal data to the big tech monopoly that mines your activity and sells your information. Protect yourself with a VPN I trust to keep me safe online. Visit expressvpn.com slash Lauren. That is expressvpn.com slash Lauren to get three extra months free, go to expressvpn.com slash Lauren right now to learn more. And what I love about it is that you can also use it on your mobile devices. And I know personally, I like to watch Hulu on my tablet and I can do that with ExpressVPN's app. All right, so let's continue with this headache of an open letter. The students also say that, moreover, evidence from psychology, social work, and medicine suggests that microaggressions, including racist, sexist, homophobic, or transphobic speech, have numerous and significant impacts on the health, well-being, and educational success of marginalized people. So don't you find it interesting how they view the right of these marginalized groups to be comfortable as more important than the right to free speech? Which, I mean, incidentally, the right to be comfortable is not a right at all. And this really also goes to show how ignorant these people are of history. They're talking about all of the damaging uh, consequences that exist because of microaggressions. Meanwhile, it seems that they're very unaware of the damaging consequences that follow when you start to ban speech, right? Because history shows us that usually good things for human progress and society in general don't flow from censorship laws, especially those, uh, you know, that are so sweeping in terms of what it deems unacceptable. I thought these university students were supposed to be smart. And this next part where they openly rail against academic freedom, this is what really gets me. It says, the university statement of academic freedom defines no limitations for academic freedom, i.e. freedom. 
That's what freedom means. Failing to address the responsibility of professors to use their freedoms responsibly. Equity and academic freedom need to be addressed as intertwined issues and McGill University falls short in this regard. Why do they need to be intertwined? I mean, why, why does one have to carry as much weight as the other? And notice how they're not even talking about equality. They're literally just saying equity. And then the students go on to complain that McGill University takes academic freedom too seriously, which is such a strange complaint for students to have. And I, I gotta say, from everything the students are saying here about McGill, it sounds like McGill in some ways is doing a good job at protecting, you know, the right of their professors to pursue their academic studies without having to worry about what activist groups they're upsetting. It says, while peer institutions prioritize respect and inclusivity, shame on those institutions, by the way, respect and inclusivity should not be the main goals of universities. It should be scholarship, but whatever. They say McGill University consistently prioritizes the protection of an extreme version of academic freedom over the safety and well-being of its students, regardless of claims like those in the principal's message that they support an environment of mutual respect. While the university has policies dedicated to the maintenance of respect, none can, quote, abridge academic freedom in the university's educational mission. Good. I mean, good. That is what academic freedom actually means. It's not actually freedom if it comes with an asterisk and all of these limitations. I mean, I, I know as Canadians, it's hard to wrap your mind around that since even the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada pretty much has a caveat that any right is subject to the whims of the government. But yeah, no, McGill in this respect, right on the money. Good for them. If you're a student and you feel this way, I think you need to really take a step back, breathe in and out, and uh, go to your parents and ask them why they shielded you from the real world and criticisms to the point where you are now just an insufferable, mushy shell of a person who's unable to even function in the real world where you will, in fact, from time to time, hear things you don't like. I mean, honestly, and I go back and forth when it comes to universities of who I have a bigger issue with, the students or I guess the administration. In this case, it's definitely the students. And I hope that McGill stands by their protections of academic freedoms and tells the students that they can well, shove off, frankly. And then here is when they get to the professor in question that this episode revolves around, and that's one Philip Carl Saltzman. So it says, in the past year, several articles have been posted on public forums by Professor Philip Carl Saltzman, a retired professor emeritus of the McGill Anthropology Department. So to be clear, this is someone who is still associated with McGill University, but is no longer actively teaching classes. So from what I understand, it's more the just the mere association with McGill that they're upset about because right now they can't, they're not in a position to even stop his work. They say in one recent example, Saltzman goes on to write that, quote, the Middle East is a place where doing harm and being cruel to others is regarded as a virtue and a duty. Saltzman goes on to condemn multiculturalism, immigration, gender parity, cultural equality, social justice, and the Black Lives Matter movement along with dismissing the existence of rape culture and systemic racism based, absolutely based. I mean, this is what I love to hear coming from a professor, uh, but I mean, it's no secret, obviously, why there are so few conservatives or classical liberals in academia. Like, if, if the actual academics themselves don't weed them out, then from from the looks of this, the students will now take it upon themselves to revolt and freak out. It's like, what is happening at universities where just everybody is so intolerant to other ideas? Like, 
something needs to be done. Like, I'm so glad that I am not currently in college because I don't think I could stand to be around these people, both students and, you know, some of the file of professors for an extended extended amount of time without honestly losing my shiz. I actually looked into this professor a little bit more just so I could get a, a further understanding of what he actually stands for. First, I checked him out on Rate My Professors. Um, it's, it's a website where students can kind of, yeah, just rate their professors based on things like clarity, difficulty, whether they would take them again or not. If you're currently in university or college, I actually recommend before you choose classes, go on Rate My Professors and I mean, kind of vet who you do and do not want to take. Sometimes you don't always have a choice if it's a core class, but uh, I know I have been saved, I think, from many unpleasant professors through Rate My Professor. So just a tip. But anyway, on the site, Philip Carl Saltzman has a 3.3 out of 5, I guess a pretty average uh, rating. And looking through the individual reviews with I guess the understanding that these are all older since he's no longer teaching, they seem very polarized. Most of the ratings that are negative call him boring, which I mean, it's it's an anthropology class. I don't know. And there are definitely some students who were rubbed the wrong way from his politics. There are also a lot of people who say that he was awesome, very clear, and that even though they could understand that he wasn't the most maybe exciting professor, that he did a good job. Anyway, the the core of the issue is not really how he performs as a professor. It's his views. So, he seems to be a senior fellow at something called the Frontier Center for Public Policy. I'm not familiar with this. It seems to be a think tank, though. Um, but he's he's got quite a few different articles that I, I want to kind of skim through with you. We don't really have time to go over each and every one of them. But I recommend if you're interested in finding out more about this man that you look them up yourselves and they seem quite interesting. So some of the more compelling titles include Where Does America's Newfound Enthusiasm for Socialism Come From? He also has a piece called Feminism and Injustice where he asks, what do feminists want? Is feminism an inclusive movement striving for gender equality and justice for all or is it a partisan movement seeking advantage and benefits for females at the expense of males? Oh, goodness. Uh, I can see why these students have a problem with this professor. Another article says, Wokesplaining exposes the social justice tendency to totalitarianism. Man, this guy, this guy is amazing. I would love to interview him. Actually, I might, like after kind of New Year's Christmas break and stuff, I might actually try to reach out for the for an interview, but uh, he has another piece, which is most recent, that says lies at the heart of identity politics. He writes that identity politics demands the reduction of an individual identity to collective census category identities. You are no longer an individual person with hopes and fears, talents and abilities and motivations and opinions. The most important thing about you is your sex. So the post-millennial actually reported on this story and they managed to get a statement from Saltzman himself. We're going to be reading that in just a minute, but before we do, I want to tell you all about Gabby, our sponsor, and save you some money. So you know you're probably overpaying on car and home insurance, right? And sure, you'd love to save money, but is spending hours on your own shopping for a lower rate to maybe save a few bucks even worth it? 
Probably not. But thankfully, Gabby is here to save you time and money. Get this. On average, Gabby customers save $961 per year. So Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking places like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. Just link your current insurance account and in minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you already have. And like I mentioned earlier, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average. That is a huge amount of savings that would definitely be nice to have in your pocket this time of year. But if they can't find you savings, then hey, at the very least, you can rest easy knowing that you have the best deal out there and Gabby will never sell your info. So there's no, no annoying spam or robocalls. You're probably overpaying on car and home insurance. So see how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check out and there is no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash Lauren. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Lauren. Again, Gabby.com slash Lauren to save on car and home insurance. From the Post Millennial, they write, responding to the petition, Dr. Saltzman defended his views as classically liberal. Huh, maybe this man isn't this terrible hate speech spewing Nazi like these students seem to think. Imagine that. Noting the lack of substance in the petition's criticism of his views, Saltzman said, I would welcome critique of my articles through arguments and evidence and am prepared to defend my positions, but no attempt has been made by these students to challenge my articles with contrary arguments and contradictory evidence. Their view appears to be that of diversity of opinion about important subjects is unacceptable. Yeah, that's pretty much how I would describe the situation as well. And I, I hope that Dr. Saltzman remains steadfast in his views. And you know what? If he doesn't seem to be on social media, but I would love it if people who are watching this video or if you go to McGill would let them know how you support him and how important it is for McGill to stand up for this academic freedom. He continues, these students appear to believe that they're at McGill not to learn anthropology, but to teach anthropology. Ooh, kind of sassy, I like it. He continues, this is perhaps because anthropology, once a discipline, fact, and evidence-based, has been overtaken by ideological moralism rather than seeking truth, is now in the business of seeking and punishing ideological heretics. I rather doubt that the Holy Inquisition and Mao's Cultural Revolution are fruitful models for an academic discipline. Good for this professor. See, I would love to see more professors like this speaking truth to power at universities, but I mean, Anytime it seems like a professor stands up to this Marxist BS like Jordan Peterson has done, uh, you know, they're essentially crucified for it. The same with, uh, you know, the Weinstein brother from Evergreen College. And I think students need to be reminded that they are at universities to learn. And that's not to say that students can't have criticisms of professors because professors aren't always perfect. Definitely, definitely not. We've done more than our fair share of segments explaining that. Uh, but you, you can't just stifle or dismiss a professor because you don't like his views. And that applies to right-wing students as well. I, when I was in my comparative politics class, had a professor who was a self-described Marxist. But you know what? I still thought that even being a Marxist, he did a good job challenging people's views on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, he covered the subject matter in a thorough way. So it's not my place to say, hang on, he's a Marxist. I want him fired because I don't, I don't like his approach or viewpoint. That's that's not what university should be about. That's pretty much all I have to say for now, though. And as always, I would love to hear what you all think. Do you think McGill University will eventually back down and seize connections with the professor or will they stand firm and stand for academic freedom? Let me know. But that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.